549 we'll just begin the uh, space needs meeting on monday the 27th um this is a continuation of our meeting that we had last monday where we had um proposals to uh, decide on and recommend to the school committee um we did not come to an agreement at that point so we gave some additional time for um, thinking through the scenarios, and um, today we would talk through what our final proposal is. Um, so with that being said, just to recap at least where we left off with the proposals, I think we, we ended up with, with two different options. Um, Denise, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you had said uh, option two uh, was one that was on the board, or uh, the one that I proposed option, which is a hybrid of option two and three it would be option three for next year followed by option two the following year um anything to add yeah i was option two yep and i think we 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 paused because at least you needed time to think things through so i guess we'll start with you um did you have enough time to think things through and do you have a recommendation that you'd want to put forward um, no, I don't think it was about thinking things through. I think it was just that I felt like we, as a subcommittee, needed more time and more information. Um, but I'm happy to discuss, you know, I, I feel like whichever whichever way um, you two are heading, I'm happy to discuss that as an option. I had emailed a couple, um, a couple questions earlier today that I apologize, they were last minute. Um, but just sort of like some things that were running through my head, some, I think, variables. Um, so I don't know. I also, what were some, what were some of the other, I'm looking for a follow-up. Oh, Lucas was going to talk to um, Craig from Castle Booze on today, last Monday, at some point um, between last meeting and this meeting. So I feel like an update on that might be um, interesting or helpful too. Would that be relevant in your decision making, though? Yeah, because I feel like the master's facilities plan, or whatever we decide we're going to be calling that, um, I feel like there's. I feel like the options that we sort of have as a result of this redistricting analysis process were like limited and not taking into account a lot of other big factors. And so, if the master's facility plan is going to address those bigger factors, then I feel like more comfortable, I guess, sort of hypothesizing some different recommendations to move forward to the school committee. Um, but if the master's facilities plan isn't going to address things, then I think we need to address them first. You know, like I just I just want to figure out, I don't know where our job can end if I don't know where the master's facilities plan is going to take off. Yes. I had my notes in here. I went to look for them in my room. In the office, they were here the whole time. Um, so we met with the the author and the presenter of the KBA report on facilities assessment. So we talked through basically in the back where it gets into a lot of those recommendations. We talked about you know a few of them. You reference this is only feasible if you do a master plan. You remember those uh, those types of recommendations. Yeah. So basically, we said, well, what does that in include? So um, Craig, who is the architect, 
talked about basically um, evaluating each building from the aspect of the mechanical systems, um, the spaces, what it would take to modernize spaces. Um, they have a, a plumbing analysis, all those pieces. And what they're really talking about is in his report, he had talked about, we have our complexes, we have a new high school, and then you have two independent elementaries. So in the gist of kind of looking at this holistically, you try to look at the um, kind of the lifetime of every building, depending on where it's at. And in his plan, he said, I paired, he paired some of the recommendations to the idea that in the future, uh, at some point, so if a decision was, one of them says um, a master facilities plan done by 2025, um, he talked about basically doing this work to say, what's the next stage? And then it gets into, and I don't want to be quoted as saying, I'm suggesting this as a plan, but I'll just pick one off the bat. Um, he used he used one example. So we had told him that, let's see, bear with me, I want to get the right page. He talked about the only, I said, the only way you could close a school in town, we did the math, um, is to have, a, you'd have to reopen, you have to build a school to close a school. We don't have the capacity next year to fit five elementaries into four schools. Um, and that's something that we kind of walked away from our last redistricting meeting discussing. Mm -hmm. So in the future, if it's, we're seeing our enrollment decline and then eventually come back up, you have to have a plan for the future and, and lifetime of all these buildings. And one of them he talked about was, uh, if you recall, I can't find it right now, um, but he talked about all the middle schools at one complex. He talked mm -hmm. about moving, pairing up um, Jefferson and Parmenter in the Remington complex. He talked about Davis Thayer and Keller in the Annie Sullivan complex, and that's how you move. But in, in that scenario, it would require a build an, another building that would be your Oak JFK, for example. So um, his point was around this idea of doing this work, getting a sense of the physical layout, re reassessing, looking at our enrollment data. You know, we have 2020 census data that we, we they used 2010 when they did this. Um, reassessing how we are utilizing our facilities with regard to industry programming, which we've begun to do through our work. And then ultimately in that example, he talked about the pathway through is to arrive at a plan that takes into account of uh, the future. And basically he said by 28, 29, when the numbers start to creep back up is when you're, you're actually looking to um, try to plan out for the next decade, but ultimately land at a place around that time frame of what are you doing with your physical buildings and your spaces to utilize the space effectively? So um, the study and the plan itself, as you do all this work, um, takes about 12 months. Um, that's what I, I have written down for a long range facilities plan. I think if we are thinking about the needs in the immediate, because you know we were tasked with looking at the short term and long term, and when you're tasked with the short term, you know the discussion you're having today 
kind of talks about that piece with an eye towards the future. But I would, uh, I, I'm led to believe it, the master facilities plan is really trying to look at um, the age of every building and which ones are sustainable and being able to move forward for the next de decade and which ones um, do you do an analysis on and make further decisions that I think you need that time to do um, to look really far out. Like if you're gonna look a decade out, it would take a, that master plan, which is what we recommended because we didn't want to task this school committee at this moment in time with um, being able to plan completely out. But if there's, a, if there's a plan in here that recommends any type of new facility or new schools or um, in, in 2029, 20, 2030 or something like that, um, that plan has to get really laid out very, very carefully. And that's gonna take a little bit more time and obviously uh, partnership with the larger scope of the work in town and our facilities in general, um, the master planning. It also would take um, us to be working with uh, the Massachusetts Building Authority. If, if by 2024 or 25, there was a recommendation with a full plan, you have to conduct this anyway. Mm -hmm. If you're going to put any kind of intent to say, hey, by this time, you know, we're looking at all these schools. So I'm all I'm basing this conversation off of his recommendations, mm -hmm. not one that I'm putting forth right now. Um, but I wanted to just let you know that we we did talk to him and it sounds like they have a uh, in their company that something of this magnitude, I'm, I'm assuming would be multiple quotes to do the work and assess kind of the project. But ultimately, <clears throat> they did this at the time of Davis Thayer as an assessment report. But a long, a, the long range plan is really what the, the next phase is, is my understanding of talking about. So Mr. Jagir, so is it a safe assumption to say that what to do this or the, for the, any changes in the facilities, it, would, it wouldn't happen within the next five years. So that if we, if we did do a redistricting, it's not like the children that were moved today would be the same children moved down the road. So, so the, 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 just so we're clear, any kind of recommendation that's going to change of our current facilities would be, it would take multiple years. And I don't know what's an exact quote, Miriam, but I, I'm led to believe it's a, it's a law, that's a long-term project that we're looking at. That could take, that could take eight years. I mean, I don't, do you have anything to add from your notes or from your yeah, so I think, I think, and I don't know what's in front of me, but I, I do recall him saying that it would take at least um, um, when we put in an SOI, a statement of interest, it would be um, a, a one-year facility feasibility um, study, uh, one-year design, potentially two years to build, maybe a year of the buffer, just to see where that goes. You know, it's probably at least five to six years out once the statement of interest is um, is submitted, I think. Um, and that would just be to build, hypothetically, if we're gonna build onto, the, onto an elementary school. There might also be changes that might have, so if you, if you look at one of KDA's um, plans that wasn't a viable option right now, but talked about having one middle school um, similar to what what um, Mr. Jagir just mentioned, having 
one middle school at the Parsman complex, um, and then the two other complexes would serve elementary students, and then the Kennedy School would be um, potentially rebuilt on the same site. If that were the plan, and I'm not recommending that at this point in time, then I would say that that's at least six years out for the Kennedy section of that. Um, and there might be upgrades needed um, and or, or renovations or remodeling needed for either the Hartman complex to accommodate middle school students throughout the district. And there might be renovations needed at the Jefferson complex to, to accommodate elementary students on, um, at the, on the Renancy side of the complex. That makes sense. So, so I think that in summary, I think you're talking at least six years out. The other variable here is, you know, that work as you're prioritizing the pathway. I think one thing that I heard from our redistricting advisory committee was around a short-term need to kind of look at, but also what's a pathway that you shoot towards. That the reason there's a range of time here is you need to, in that time frame, acquire funding and approval and um, identify the long-term decision that needs to get set into motion. So that's what takes that's what takes us uh, the time because the funding of this, you could have a plan and a project and a will and a, and a desire to do something, but those are all the, the factors that have to get worked out. So I think um, in their report, they talk about 2025 was a recommendation at the end for their um, and their examples start on page 30, I'm sorry, 43, just so you know, I'm in their report, but. All right, thank you. Um, so I guess at least any other questions or items that you want to discuss? Cause I, I feel like I, I, I am solid with my stance of three and two. I mean, I can be moved to go to two, but I feel like redistricting is is the only option that we have to do we, we can do we can't do nothing and knowing the fact that the master facilities plan is not something that would impact the students that are being moved now i i think we we you know it's, it's not something that we even need to to really focus on as, as a kind of a blocker to make a decision yes denise so is there a reason why um you had suggested expanding the buffer zones beyond what the original option three was? Yes, and, and my rationale around that was around incoming kindergartners predominantly. Um, our, our focus was not to move people multiple times. And if we know that option two is our end result in the fall of 2024, then if, if parents are willing to that they know that they're going to go to that new school why should we make them move multiple times if they have the ability to transport the child themselves so would these additional ones just be kindergarten or would it be for all of elementary school it would be all for, for all because i think at that this point as well if a parent knows that they're, they're, they can move and they they want to they have that choice they're not forced to and they could say you know what? i'm gonna i know this is gonna happen and I'm willing to move and so, so be it. I'll do it now versus next year because you know my child's in second grade and I'd rather have them have 
four years at that new school versus two years, you know, or, or whatever the case may be, you know, it, it just gives them that choice and that flexibility um, versus if, you know, not giving them that option. If, if it was a, if it was a mandatory move, then I'd be like, that's something different, but given it, it's an optional move and it's a per choice basis, either you choose to start early or you wait until it's the, the deadline. Can I ask Miriam's thoughts on it? Sure. She seems to be the analytical, logistical guru. So, um, so I feel like there's a lot of movement um, going on with these options. Um, and um, I guess I would want to know what the interest would be in the buffer zone. And we have a mechanism, I think, to, to do that if that's, if that's the um, option uh, to, to, to put something out to folks. Um, I also feel like knowing that this, that there's a long-term master plan going on, uh, I'm thinking about the item about uh, concerns for families who need busing after the fact. And I'm thinking about an incoming kindergarten or a kindergartner, for example, next year who might be, where the parent might be able to transport the student and who might live um, outside of two miles from their uh, school, mm -hmm. from their neighborhood school, I'm going to call it for now, or their current assigned school, mm -hmm. which will stay their current assigned school. But I, I, I guess I'm thinking a little more longer term. If, if this is a, let's say, six-year plan, six-plus-year plan, what happens when that child gets to third grade and maybe the parent can't transport or they've had some life change and now they need transportation and don't necessarily send a bus from wherever they sure. So are. just just to clarify, so buffer option three would only be for next year. And then it would be option two across the board. So they would only have one year where they would have they would not be given the option for transportation whatsoever. And given year two, it would be that is the only option that those people in that that component have, so they would get busing. So it, it, really, we're only dealing with this kind of transition, transition for one year. Um, yeah. So, so I think that, uh, like again, I, I then I would go back to to see how many people um, might be interested in that. Um, Because I think at that point you're you're opening folks up to go pretty much from within every other every elementary school. Um, so and, and just to clarify, so the buffer zone would only be to one school or the or the another. So, for right. example, we'll just say um, we'll just say Keller Four, mm -hmm. right? Now today it goes to Keller on option two it would go to kennedy mm -hmm. so the, what i'm envisioning is fall of 23 you can choose either kennedy or keller if you choose kennedy you have to transport your child yourself if you choose keller you get transportation because it's it's what it's still keller at that point fall of 24 when we go option two across the board, it is only Kennedy at that point. And if you were getting transportation to Kennedy, 
and there is no option for Keller. So I think it comes down to the families are that are making this optional move. This is just it's um, stated that this is just a one-year transition, that there is no transportation. However, there would be transportation next year, and if you're within the two miles, it's it's pay. If you're outside the two miles, then it is it is free. Okay. What kind of stress would this assumption is and this is just a complete assumption um 
the bulk of the people that would probably take the option are people that are extremely close to a new school or they are exist or new folks that are they want to get a jump on it i mean i'm i'm open to saying it's only kindergartners coming in i mean i think but i feel like something needs to be done and i would i, I wouldn't want those kindergarten families to not have the choice if they have the means to be able to drive their kids to school because if they're if they're if their plan intent is already to do it right off the bat then they may not be you know this may not be a concern but i love them to have that option i feel like i'd be okay with kindergartners and former former davis Bayer students but i feel like if we give it to everybody that's a lot And like option two is only nineteen percent. Yeah. So like I said, I'm 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 okay with modifying it if need be. Um so we can kind of tweak this. Elise, you're being quiet. I am. Um, yeah, I'm just waiting till a time to talk. So I'm just putting my kids' dinner in bowls. The floor is yours if there's something you want to add or, or bring up. Okay, yeah. Let me just mute for a minute so I can tell them. Tell them to be quiet. Oh, that's it. Okay. So, um, I think that um, there were just a couple things that I just still feel like we have a couple loose ends. And so I'm, you know, I'm happy to like engage in this conversation, but I feel like I still like the ongoing town building projects. I feel like we haven't really talked about those or gotten an update on those. Um, there were a couple questions I had about like the AppGeo equity study that Al, I saw you mentioned in a response to a community member that I don't think, I didn't see, I don't know if Denise has seen it um, or Miriam or Lucas. There were a couple questions about like, just looking at the buffer zones and what's the percent of um, families that are low income, what are, what's the percent of families that were previously DT kids, um, questions about English language learners. I think, um, and I do think that those are all like relevant to a decision. I just feel like to make an informed decision, I'd like a little bit more information, you know, with the town, especially with the town building project, I know that, you know, there's always new building happening and people always thinking that they're gonna be tons and influx of kids, you know, that I live right near the new um, Dean Street um, condos. And when those came in, um, everybody was thinking we're going to get this massive influx of kids and we didn't really because they're one and two bedroom luxury apartments and, um, you know, Dr. Hearn was really good at sort of explaining that to us about like, there was that, that one document that, um, I have opened that sort of looks at every single building project and then like what type it is, how many units, what's the status. Um, you know, what's the ex expected um, effect on the Franklin Public Schools. And I think that that was really, that could be helpful to talk about. And maybe it's, the numbers are all gonna stay the same, but if we work so hard to redistrict now with like the current makeup of our town, which is what FGO worked off of, and then there's, you know, a handful of 
new developments in a certain district, then that could skew things. And um, I don't know, I just hesitate about that. And I think, you know, Ali, you said we can't do nothing. And I guess I know that we don't want to do nothing because we feel like we need a purpose for our work over the last couple months. But like, can we, we can't do nothing? I don't know if it's like we can't. I think like maybe we shouldn't do nothing, but also do we have to do something just to do something? Yes, Denise. I know we've heard the socioeconomic question a lot, and I'm just curious what what the purpose is behind it. Like, I know that you know um, it, it, there was some information that showed you know a certain number of socioeconomically disadvantaged students at each school you know, who received free lunches, etc. But like, if Noah's neighbor receives free lunch. And Jefferson has a lot of kids, you know, who don't receive free lunch. Do we have to put him at Jefferson, even though it's not where he should go? Is that what we're trying to say? No. Like I'm like, I'm like, I'm like why does it matter how many kids are at each school that are supposed to be adopted as kids? Yeah, I don't think it doesn't really matter. Like we wouldn't move families in a unreasonable way. I think it's just like a curiosity thing. And when we're looking at, you know, like families that, you know, might be historically marginalized or kids that families that already went through the whole DT transition, like these are people that already have sort of, you know, traumatic events or things happening in their lives repeatedly. Do we want to add to that? It's just, I don't know. It's just something to consider. I'm not saying it's a make it or break it, but I think it's something um, to be mindful of and to have conversations around. Yeah, and I mean, I, I feel like we're, we're getting into the place of analysis paralysis, where we're looking at a lot of things that um, would, I mean, does it, at the end of the day, does it really change the, the bearings? I, I don't, I truly don't think it does. And I think it's just more, we, we, at this point, we just need to make a decision of what we want to recommend to the school committee so that we can provide um, and identify what content we need to support our reasoning and, and make sure that the school committee has what they need to make a sound decision. But if we don't have what we have, if if I feel like I don't have what I ha need to make a sound decision now, how can school committee have what they need? You know what I mean? Or maybe I still won't have enough. Maybe yeah. it will. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't think you will. Because you, you said, would, would this information matter for you? No, but it's good to have. Like, is it, it's, it's, well, some of it matters. I think that Miriam has some information to share. Okay. I, I can give you that. In the, the percentage of low-income students in the buffer zone is 34. And the proposed, uh, the percentage of proposed moves in option two that were previously DT students is 26%. Okay. So roughly a quarter of the students in scenario in option two were um, previously gives there. Gotcha. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I would respond to the reallocating support services for EL students moving from Keller to Oak. Of course, we would provide, as I said to Denise, few minutes ago, um, any students who are moving from one school to another who require um, services, whether it's EL or special needs, 
uh, we would provide those services. So we would just reallocate our FTE. And we do that annually anyway, because students move from the elementary to the middle to the high school. And so we may need an additional EL, additional EL support in different schools based on where students are. So that is not something new. Um, and um, in terms of considering renting space to collaborative programs at Annie Selman, I don't know that I would say that there's necessarily space to fill at Annie Selman right now. We're using that space flexibly with Keller students, um, staff members who um, might be working in small groups and other um, staff. Um, like specialists specialists that have a space so so I, I don't know that there's a need to um, rent out more space at this point in time and I wouldn't necessarily want to do that in the midst of this type of planning because I wouldn't want them to think that they are entering into a potentially long-term contract when we're just going to pull back and say oh wait we got a reality move people around so I just wouldn't want to put their students in that position that's true. That makes sense. So, uh, I don't have a response to FGO's equity study. I, I think that, like, I don't believe they did an equity study. I think they looked at equity in terms of the categories that you see on the um, story map. On the story map, thank you. Um, oh, just the percentages? Okay. I know it was, Al, it was something you had written in response to a community member. I don't know if, like, is that what you were referring to, the percentages on the story map? Okay. Yes. Did FGO call it an equity study? No, that was what the resident citizen called it an equity study. That was the, their language in that, that letter. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. I thought your answer said it, that the FGO did the equity yeah, study. I, I had stated that FGO um, looked in to make sure that there was a balance and, and we weren't, um, it wasn't, we weren't moving like specific like um, groups. Demographics. Thank you, demographics based off of that. So it was not targeted based off of demographics. Gotcha. Um, so as far as the ongoing, the town building projects, is that like that that feels relevant to me i don't know if it feels relevant to others and, and unless there's one that's being built within the next two three years that's like other than the one by um across from municipal and across mcdonald's um I, I think those are things that are too far out to really say definitively how that would impact our our students but if, if the trend is continuing where they are um, one two bedroom apartments. I foresee that we're we're not seeing a high yield from those groups, given the the audience that they're they're catering towards. It's not they're not families that are going to have multiple children um, in that unit. That's been the trend. Um, it's the one that's under construction currently across the street. And we'll see it from here. Um, has there are two bedroom units, and typically, my understanding, and Miriam, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we see two bedroom condo units constructed, they haven't yield, yielded a high turnout of um, students in them. 
generally our demographer has said that the largest um, uh, impact to enrollment is the turnover of single family homes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I mean, I, I, like I said before, I feel like we, we have the data to at least make a recommendation and then really it's just it's just what um, supports that recommendation. So I know, Denise, you'd mentioned option two, and I'm, I'm willing to do option two as well, and, and we don't go in a, a hybrid approach, um, because like I said, I feel like option two is the only course of action that we can have um, that would cover us for the next five years plus. Um, so um, is there anything else that you need, Elise? Well, I guess I, 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 don't agree. I don't. I don't think that um, the timing is right to do option two right now. I sort of liked your like expanded buffer idea, um, even though I know I feel like that we would need more information as far as like what would be need to be true with the district like admin staff to make that happen in a smooth way. Um, because I do have some hesitations, as I said, at our last meeting as far as like the transition of DT kids to Keller and how that um, we were assured that it would be smooth and it maybe wasn't as smooth we're learning now. And so um, I feel like as far as transitioning, you know, transitioning a whole lot of kids with their teachers to one new building, you would think would be easier than transitioning a whole bunch of kids to um, different buildings. So I feel like that um, would need to be thoughtful and planful and um, have people involved. Yeah, and I think what we have, at least if we do option two straight out, it's a luxury of time where we did not have. Um, I do not recommend that we do option two for fall of 23. It would have to be fall of 24 at earliest. It, it couldn't have. At this point, I don't think that that would be feasible to mm -mm. pull off thoughtfully to the, you know, to, so 24, 25 is the earliest uh, decision like that can be made. And just one last thing was the, you know, the buffer idea <clears throat> when discussed and the feedback we received along the listening tour, I mean, uh, the focus groups and whatnot, um, people had questions about. So I think this idea of uh, what you all as a space needs, but also a school committee ultimately can decide is if there's a kindergarten only, is it just these buffer zones that we're connected to? The previous move, like you, you have some variability beyond just an all or nothing. Every zone that's going to move, that's going to move, is moved. So I think you can step that out in a way that's more manageable. That's just a thought. But I'm not advocating for one way or the other. I just want my job is to make sure I communicate our feasibility and our ability to do these things. And um, of course, I'm going to say I feel more confident confident if it was a it was a smaller group. But that said. You know, I wouldn't want to. Um, I just wouldn't want to overcommit to families if we if we do open it up that broad. Um, if that's what you decided, just to to be clear, there's a couple of moving parts. There's a lot of movement happening. And wanted to do this well. Um, whatever you decide. Yes, Denise. Um, 
Do any of these adequately address the issues at Keller for this fall? Like, do any of these, like, are any of these going to fix what we've heard from families and staff about how Keller is just unmanageable? Or is the family, families and staff going to have to wait until 2024? Unless people opt in, they're going to have to wait for till 2024 for to, to realize any of the, uh, um, the changes. So, yeah. The buffer zone is the only thing that changes that if there's a decision for a year away, right? Yeah. Um, the second piece is I think there are different perspectives about the space and the utilization of space at Keller too. I think I've heard from I've heard from both sides of that. Um, and I think back to 2009, we had 607 kids in that building, and at Annie Sullivan, we had 445. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, extra staff, um, like the classrooms. We had. We had no classroom at that time. So it was all like now the 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 needs have changed. We've talked a lot about the needs have evolved. So how we utilize space in some of our breakout rooms, some of our um, spaces for special education, right? In district programming have changed, but um, I'm just talking about just straight numbers. There's been large groups there. Um, but it's but it's definitely uh, I was there this week. No, not this week. Last week, walking um, through. You know, there's you know the classrooms. There's there's clearly you know it's a full school. I wouldn't necessarily have. I've heard different descriptions of it, um, and I would not use the term busting at the seams. I'll say that publicly. Um, and I think you know at least I'm sensitive to. People who, uh, like you mentioned before, you were given assurances that it would be, you know, managed or um, scheduled or, or uh, the layout would be in a way that kids would be supported at Keller. And I think that what I saw was the rooms being utilized on the Keller side for, um, for the students and having a flow and having a way in which they they're educating, and then I saw um, them use some of the space flexibly on Annie Sullivan, like the math specialist room and the literacy specialist sharing a space on Annie Sullivan. Um, so I think there's different perspectives on that. And I don't think one is necessarily wrong or, or whatnot. I think it's a matter of, um, I do think there's thoughtful, there's thoughtful planning and placement of kids in, in those spaces, in my opinion. But I do think the buffer idea does bring down and that's the logical factor. If people exercised an option that was afforded to them this year, is that's the only way you see a decrease at Keller. Right. And I think Al's like in I, I understand that the logistics of it might be heavy, but I think maybe we could like plan there could be a way to have additional admin support or something, um, theoretically. Like with expanding the buffer zone, it sort of expands the, the families that might choose to opt to go to their future option two school. Um, I think also there's like, how could we incentivize that or could we incentivize that? Um, as you know what I mean, like, is there, I don't know, I don't really have an answer to that. I'm just sort of wondering like if you know, if we open this up and then zero families choose to go to a different school, then it doesn't help us at all. And that's just doing nothing for a year, or I guess planning for um, option two down the road. But I think like, 
I don't know. Any thoughts on incentivizing families? I don't really know what it could be. I think transportation would be a mess. That would have to be like really clear cut. Um, and, I don't and, know. And honestly, I, I don't think we need to incentivize. We, we know if the end state is option two, <laughs> just the, the flexibility to do it sooner versus later. Um, that That's really the incentive. And if we choose not to, then it is what it is. But even if we do option two, um, and not do like a, a hybrid buffer option three approach, um, you know, it it would be the same same thing. So it's it's just really just it's it's hoping that we get some people and we can alleviate some of the pressures and, and give them the choice in advance. Uh, Denise, like raising my hand. Um, so Miriam was nice enough to bring classroom sizes from two thousand nine and today. And looking at it, and it's fascinating because the classroom sizes in 2009 were a lot higher than they are today. So I just wanted to share that because I had brought up the classroom sizes as an issue, I wanted to make sure that I shared that I've got the numbers in front of me right now. And it's a lot different. Uh, that's kind of scary to me because. <laughs> Knowing that there. Say that again, Denise. I didn't hear that. The numbers. The the classroom sizes in two thousand and nine were. Where? Uh, at, at Keller. Okay. Were higher than they are now. Okay. Well, just because I had just brought up that people were saying that classroom sizes were an issue, Miriam shared with me the historical data, and I wanted to make sure that I said it out loud because I mm -hmm. had. That's important. And I think part of it, I think part, what part of it is, is that they're smaller at other schools. So it's sort of like comparing yeah. feels like they're bigger. I understand that. Like it feels bigger in comparison, yeah. um, like, you know, in comparison to the other schools. So I think that's helpful information to have. So just to be mindful, folks, we got about like ten minutes to our initially scheduled time. I know last time we went over. I think I just wanted to say at least just piggybacking off of what you said. When we look at class size, we talked a little bit about it last meeting around how we've come to the table with a kind of zero sum the math, the worksheets where we kind of look at what are the number of kids to teacher and how do we build out our classrooms. I think in a couple of those examples. I don't know if it's across the board that every, I keep hearing a dog, right. is, it, is it in the building? It sounds, it's me. Oh, it's fine. Me. Sorry. That's, that's fine, Thank, I'll keep going. I the problem, it's me. So, the idea that at each of the elementary schools, the aim is to have very, very similar class sizes. And a couple of those, what I'm understanding, the cusp areas where you go from two teachers to three, and if you anticipate move-ins and you go, you know what, we're gonna have three here, and then that doesn't happen, that throws off that number for that grade. And then if you don't, and you have 50 kids and then you get 60 kids, you see where it could go from 25 in a class to 30, there's a bit of a tipping point there. And I think that's where, but at least the class that was referenced to me, that was a scenario that played out, but I wouldn't say across the board, we try to do the math by the number of kids in a grade. So whether it's Keller or any other school, we try to look at how many teachers do we need 
to put together classes that fit within that range. That's the intention. That's always the plan. That's how we keep up with enrollment-driven decisions. And that's what we're doing this year too. So I just wanted to point it out that is not like across the board, we take a school and put their class sizes all lower than another school. You get a grade on a cost, but that's how it's happening. There are a couple boxes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Thanks, we'll, I appreciate it. Sure. So I guess, Denise, um, any, so you're still with two? I would be okay with three if it was just kindergarten and Davis Bayer kids. And I can make that concession. Because that was one of our main guiding principles was mm -hmm. Davis Bayer family. Okay. So. And all of these, like if we had all of the buffer zones that you have in your email, like, I feel like if we offered it to everyone, it would be crazy. But if we were like, hey, if you have an incoming kindergartner, we recognize that having them be in kindergarten for a year and then changing it, you know, that's going to be very disruptive. So if you'd like them to start at their school they're going to be going to in 2024, um, I would be okay with that. I like more for a buffer zone, but I, I feel like we'd have to think about sort of district support for that. And that might be like an additional, I don't know, budget line item or something. I don't know how that would work. I don't, I don't know how it could get it done. So obviously they're just three people who are voting. So I also, I, I guess about the, like the buffer, so as far as the middle school goes, so say a kid is in the buffer zone, say a DT kid is in the buffer zone and chooses to stay, and then we redistrict, do they get redistricted? I don't know. So, so middle school will be all new redistricting. So wherever you choose to be in your buffer zone isn't, doesn't necessarily dictate where you stay for middle school because we'll sort of move to option two at that point. Right. Buffer zones. So buffer zones are like an early option. Okay. Decision, I, I've been thinking about it as framing it as what's the decision of the committee if they did decide to if you'd all as a committee voted on 24-25 is option two, then anything that's happening prior to that is a pre, it's like an early decision to move. So you would go to the school and follow that, that school to where you would go through elementary. Is that what you're asking in middle or? or? Yeah, I guess so. I was getting it confused with two things. Was, right, so if you stay, you can stay for one more year, then you, you can be moved if you're in one of those zones that's going to be moved, or you can go early if you want to. So, so like, I guess, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so like, I'm in Keller 10. So if Noah's in sixth grade this year, for next year, I could have him go to Danny Sullivan or Horace Mann. And then in his eighth grade year, he'll go to Horace Mann. Correct. Yeah. So what you were saying, Elise? Oh, I thought you guys were in the Remington 
No. No, I'm in, I'm in Horseman. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess then the only, I still think the full option two in fall of 24 is too soon for the DT kids because so if they're fourth graders now, right? I mean, third graders now, the last, the last class, right? Of the, what did somebody call it? The DT bubble. Um, then they would be fifth grade, fourth graders next year and have the choice to go to their new place early or stay where they are. And then they'd be redistricted potentially in fifth grade and then transition to sixth grade. It just sounds like, it just feels like a lot of transitions. It just seems like a lot. So I wonder, and I know it might not be popular, but I wonder about some kind of like, legacy we give you know do, can we give them a pass like for the teams have they transitioned too many times like can, can there be i know we have a policy on that and so but like it's up to superintendent discretion and can that be i don't know can that be taken into account i think that you know it's it, it's a lot like if we wait a couple of years this is moot because they'll be in high school you know what i mean and if we're going to be pushing it to do it now then like, I think that we need to be sensitive to certain cases, my, my opinion. So we either have legacies or push it out another year? I think in, in the least example, I, I think that you're, you're, it sounds like you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I understood what you said was, you're talking about students who are in third grade, who in fifth grade, this decisions made where they're impacted and have to leave, go to another school, almost like the inverse, allow them to stay. Or just, I just, I feel like there's so many little examples, like whether it's third grade or fourth grade or what, whatever, like the the old DQ that in that bubble, whatever that one community member said it so beautifully, I probably have it here, but like something about the DT bubble the dt impact bubble i think so like that dt impact bubble at some point they're all going to be in high school and this is moot so like how how long can we wait until they're all in high school and we just can stop messing with it you know what i mean so like is that can we do the redistricting and then have them be legacy or have them ask for special permission to stay like so a kid, DT closes, it's COVID, they go to Keller, they make all these new friends, and then all their friends are going to go to Sullivan, and now they're going to go to Horace Mann. You know what I mean? Like, again? Again? Would, I don't know. How would you deal with, with transportation with all these? Right. So I feel like it would be sort of what we were talking about with the buffer zone. Like, okay, well, your assigned school is Sullivan, or no, it wouldn't be that. Your sign school is Horace Mann, but in this situation, since we've already forced you to transition before, you know, you sign whatever these legal documents are that say that you'll be responsible for transporting to Sullivan for as long as, you know, for the rest of the middle school career or something. I don't know. I feel like we have to have attorneys look at that. Yeah. But, you know, like sign, sign away the rights for transition for district um transition uh transportation i don't know i feel like that's where we we have a longer window of like choice that's where it gets very muddy and that's why i was thinking one year makes sense because we feasibly 
can't do option two next year. That I think we, we've all agreed that option two can't happen in, in the fall. So if we have a one year of choice, at least that's manageable that something is being done versus pausing. And then if, if we do the inverse of having a buffer zone in essence after and we're, we're legacying these, these students, there's a lot more complexity to it as well. There's 29 third graders currently that we're talking about. Just so you know. No, I was just I was saying on the flip side in Elisa's example, these students move through. Uh, if, if if anyone, I, I'm just processing this idea, Elise, to honor what you're suggesting. But what you're saying is on the flip side, just like we were giving early choice to those who want to get a move on the on the flip on the front side. On the back side, the same transportation, the same criteria apply around you have a zone, you've been relocated, we're going to provide you a bus because you live in this, you know, Horace Main area, for example. But if you're at requesting to stay, you're on your own for transportation because we are providing transportation based on the alliance that were voted. Is that what you're right. saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think it's like third grade is sort of like the end of the DT impact bubble, but the like really for for all kids, like if we're talking about mental health and we're talking about social emotional needs and we're talking about ACEs, you know, like are we essentially contributing to more ACEs of these kids? Like when we can't just like bend the rules a little bit, you know, like the policy says that in extenuating circumstances or whatever the language is that we can find that, you know, like can't we just be sensitive to the needs of those kids and we're talking about, you know, feelings of belonging and we're talking about, you know, kids being emotionally and physically safe to be ready to learn and all those things. And I feel like, I I don't know, we already did it once to these kids. Like, you know what I mean? Is it, I, I, I think twice, I think twice is a lot, especially, you know, middle school isn't the most, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade is a, um, can be a tricky time in development for all kids. And so having this, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel right about contributing to it twice. I guess. Is that your recommendation? Yeah. So I guess, and just to reiterate, then. Uh, so that's your recommendation, Elise. Denise, what was yours again? I'm sorry. I didn't. Uh, I didn't understand what Elise's was. I know, because I was rambling on and on and on. So really, I feel like I like Al's idea of a buffer next year, option two the following year with some kind of asterisk about DT, that DT impacted families can, will be assigned to their new option two school, but if they choose to stay, then they complete whatever paperwork is CYA for the district and are able to stay and then when everybody's in high school they all go to the same high school and at that point the districts are rigid and closed and no more buffers or choices and then laying this out because i was i'm picturing like getting this kind of documented in the right way you basically have a three-year plan it's a three-year plan 
or me? I feel like at the so I think so the the impact bubble are they third graders or sorry? I'm sorry, it's a two year plan. Two yes, I'm sorry. But there's I was picturing the but there was just a, a third layer. I'm not saying a two year plan though. Uh, well, no, everybody like, is. But like the FY23, we would have the buffer zones, and then FY24, we would do option two yeah. with the asterisk for the legacy kids. Like until, yeah, until they're in high school. It's not like we just do it for one year and then it's like. Oh my God, for every year? Like just until they're in high school. It's not that long, really. It's not that long. What's three years? Come on. It's the like one thing you're not thinking through, though, is what if okay. they have siblings and what's, what does the sibling now fall under? Oh, a younger sibling that was never at DT. So that's an, that's a good point. So that's why I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's adds a lot more complexity than we're, we're really equipped to. But we have time. We don't have an urgency. We don't have a rush. I don't, I don't, I don't know why we need to make a decision under pressure. I don't know why we have to rush. So it, I think it does add complexity. You're right, Al. It does. And I think that can we think that through? Can we look at the numbers? Can we look at the families? We know the families. We know the addresses. We know. Um, and it's just gathering the data and, you know, looking looking at looking at the numbers and trying to figure out, like, how long, what type of a lift will that be in the district? Like, does that necessitate a person that has a sole responsibility of doing this or sort of carving out an F, part of an FTE to do something? Like, it's budget season. We can we, we can figure so things out. Just from my stance, I'm not in support of it. So, sorry. Um, the it's I think that's 29 kids. You said right? They're in third grade. That would move to fourth and fifth. Yes, through that time frame. I'm just. I'm trying to make sure I understand. For, That's the best. Um, so, um, I mean, I guess we've all put out our proposals. I guess, do we need to? because we only need two votes for one of them. So Denise, once again, can you just repeat yours so you can make sure I'm, I've remembered it correctly? Mm 
none of these are great. And, but I mean, none of, but also not all of our decisions are easy. So if all of our decisions were easy, everybody would just volunteer to do these jobs. Agreed. Um, yeah, I'm with you. This is, this is not an easy decision and it's, it's I mean, we could, keep on kicking the can down the road and, and, and like looking in for different ways and different options. But then at the end of the day, we're now just, it's, it's, it has to be done, unfortunately. Um, and I think that's the, the most equitable way to just kind of look at it and see like, how do we mitigate as much as we can do something in the interim, but then ultimately make that hard decision to redistrict. So I, I am fine with doing that approach of, Three and twenty-three, the buffer zones in the story map would be what would be allowed for the existing students, and then kindergarten for all of the other buffer zones. So I think that 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 works to kind of mitigate any potential double moves for some a child that's in kindergarten or going to kindergarten and, and then going to go to first grade. Elise, Assuming your your what is your vote? Uh, what are we voting on? So I guess um, the vote is to uh, Denise's recommendation of option three and twenty three buffer zones for the, in the story map for the um, existing students and incoming kindergartners would be the buffer zones that are for any of the any of the components that are moving from one district to another. So be the ones that are moving in option two. Just yeah. for the kindergarten. So like your your sort of email components just for kindergarten. Yes. Okay. And any like consideration about DT families? For for what? For the option that we're talking about. Well, for option three for Fall of 2023, there would be the buffer zones. Right, I know. But moving forward to fall of 24, yeah. so any type of acknowledgement about that the fact that they've already transitioned and have settled in their school community at this point and the fact that we as a district talk about social emotional learning and talk about supporting mental health needs and we're going to move them again in a mandatory way. Elise, can I just ask a clarifier? Sure. Are you saying those kids that are in third grade now in fifth grade, like, like content continue in fifth grade? I'm saying all DT families. I think that it's, it, we, it was hard the first time and it's going to be hard the second doubly hard it's like so all so if the i just want to be clear because i the sec the 2024 the 24 25 year kids get moved mm -hmm. right and at that point if you just finished off keller as a dt student who transitioned now you're part of keller you would be going to horace man in these examples correct we that, does everyone understand what I mean? Meaning fifth graders who graduate next year 
are going, if they're in an area where it's now considered the Horace Mann district, or they would be going to Horace Mann as middle schoolers. They would have been assigned, right. In this example, I was thinking you meant just the third grade, just the third graders who would be fifth graders staying for that year. But I'm now understanding you mean, but only those kids would have the choice to stay at any Sullivan for the remainder in that example? I'm, I, what I'm proposing is that that option three next year, option two the following year, with some type of disclaimer, asterisk, or option for the DT families who've already been moved, like whether they want it, they can be reassigned to Horace Mann and then they can petition to stay at Annie Sullivan if they so choose because they've already been reassigned once, at least once in their educational career. And I don't think that it's fair to have them do it again when we can just wait a couple of years and then they'll all be in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, and then they'll be gone. And then that whole bubble will be gone. And then the districts will be what they are. And that's that's what I propose. And I know it will be messy. I know it won't be easy. Um, but I think like I think it's I think it's important. So I guess, Denise, do you entertain that motion or that amendment to this, this or not? Can I ask Miriam her thoughts on that? Sure. students elect to stay at, at 
in some other mm -hmm. example. So, and hold on, can I just ch chime one thing? I think that's actually a good point about the late buses because I think like clubs are a, a major component for the students as well, right? So if we didn't have the late buses, they in essence couldn't participate in the club unless they were driven home by a parent or, or a guardian or somebody. We didn't have late buses last year. Yep. Would, would, um, in that case, what I'd say is if they if they have an assignment, if their house address is at Horace Mann, then we would be as a district saying we have a bus for you, but you're choosing you're electing and just like the buffer zone idea. I just want to keep reminding us as we talk because that's how we have to think about it. We would be providing transportation to a school and a late bus. Based on what you all decide, if you if you decide on redistricting in any capacity, it's just if you're asking for something different than what your address is. And these are examples on the front end and on the back end. And is there a consideration for students? So right now we're talking about third graders. Am I correct? Yes. Well, what about? A fourth grader at this point who might want to stay at Sullivan for the next three years. Like, are you opening up that? Yeah. That was my um, question earlier. Was around the third graders who would be in fifth at a time when everyone's moving. I first understood what Elise was saying to be, yeah, let them finish off fifth grade. But then I did. What was clarified for me was this was, I think, a bigger idea around. Davis Thayer families in general, um, not just third grade, but for current three years of students, right, Elise? Yeah, and I think I said third grade because I thought that was like the the DT the last the last of the DT yeah. families, but I think it's actually the second grade, right? Because kindergarten. For... I know we've been saying third actually. It's the second grade. Second, because K one hybrid, right? Some of the current second grade moved from there. Was like the the last class or the the right? Never talked in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. All of them, all of them. Give them the option. I think at least to have the option. And who knows? Like, you know, plenty of people live very close to Horace Mann um, from those districts, and maybe they'll choose to go there. And if they do, then they then that's their choice, and that's fine. And then they could get transportation. They can get late buses. Um, and if you know their kids found their peoples at Keller and then they can stay with them for middle school and go through Sullivan and then go to high school and move on. So that's my thought, that's my proposal. So I don't I don't know how you wanna to vote and move forward Al. So I'm just going to just say it's simple. We'll just go by names. I think we have a sense of whose proposal. Um, so I guess for Denise's proposal. Um, 
Excuse me? So just say the one of the proposals. One of the, one, one of the proposals. So we'll say proposal uh, one from the person in in the building. Um, do we have a vote for that one? Denise? One, one is, when you say proposal one, you're talking about option three during the 23-24 school year with buffer zones for all K and DT families and options. As identified in the story. Oh, yes. This has to be airtight. That's what you're saying is the buffer zones identified in the story map. Plus K, Plus all new K. No, plus new K in the expanded buffer zone. Yes. And any all. and any DT students in the expanded buffer zone. For and, and then, right. And then FY twenty four is moved option to option two. two, which is the um, reassignment. Correct, yes. Read the redistrict. So, Denise, your your vote. What was Elise's again? Um, <laughs> it was a hard. I can't. This is listen. The last time we had a discussion about schools, it was a shit show, and I yep. want to make sure this is done right this time. Understood. So, what was Elise's again? It was that's the same criteria. The only modification, and correct me if I'm wrong, Elise, was that for the Families in the DT areas only, they would have choice beyond 24. So it would cover students that are currently in second grade now, have choice post fall of 24. Is that a correct? Right. Yeah, and just to clarify, you said in the DT area, but just to clarify, like like who who did go to DT? You know, like not kids that live there now that moved there last year or something, you know. And what about their siblings? So what if I'm in, in I have a child that's in third grade and I have a kindergartner. How does that work? Right. I don't, I don't know. We, I feel like we could flesh that out. We could, I don't, I don't know. Do you want me to flesh it out right now? I feel like we could say the family was impacted. I would, I would venture to say the family was impacted because. The, obviously, this was a, a a huge change in people's lives, and it doesn't just affect a kindergarten or a fourth grader. Or, you know, it doesn't just affect the kids; it affects the families. We certainly heard on the previous school committee. We heard from many, many, many families about how it impacted their entire family life. It impacted everything, every waking moment. It was COVID. So, if there's a little one in the house. Then they're impacted by that. I think you know. I think. I think it's important. So yeah. I would say DT families, families that previously attended DT, which covers a younger sibling, I suppose. Yeah. So DT families that have had one child that had previously gone to DT that is in either elementary school now or in middle school. Um. Right. Right. Yes, please. Oh. oh, thank you. Oh, through the through the chair. Yep. Now, I'm, I understand what Elise is saying too, like the idea of uh, family impacts 
I would just try to think about the feasibility in the long term. If we start to get um, like a second grader now who has a child who's not at school aged yet, but is coming through, I think that I think it could drag this out and create another round of. So my only thought is if the idea was to focus on, I thought the, the spirit of what I heard was the student who physically had to move a DT student, your original, my original understanding of your thought was around trying to say like, if there's a redistricting and those kids were given these, this type of option, then everybody's moved once because you've had a choice to not move. But I think if it gets too expanded and too far out, I think it could get into four or five or six years down the road and then we're in another situation. So I just would think about that as you guys consider this just around making it like, a, like it might be worth creating some, I'm just picturing the feasibility and the boundary of how we're going to manage this. And it's got to be, as you guys said, there's no easy decisions. I don't envy any of you. I don't envy me. I don't envy anybody. Um, but ultimately I understand the spirit of what Elise was saying. So I just would be careful about over extending with regard to how we're going to manage any of this. And I don't know if that makes sense if I articulated it clearly, but I think it could become problematic if we're assigning a move that like a second grader or third grader now to a student who had been school age to experience a shift. If we focused on those who were impacted in this example, it would be easier for us to manage at least on the school side. No, I completely understood. Yes, yes, Miriam. I think along those lines, um, you know, you have a policy JCA in place that assigns students to schools, and and they and special permission can be granted um, in certain cases for students to go to a different school. And I'm not trying to put the superintendent on the spot. <laughs> Just gonna say. Um, yeah, so you can say. But, it. but I think. You know, I think that that the more clear-cut the guideline can be, the decision can be without the expansion here and expansion there and expansion. You know, go first. We're going to talk about third grade. Then we're going to talk about second grade. Then we're going to talk. I just think it's easier to manage. The clear-cut can be. It becomes easier to manage. Understood. So, I guess back to Denise, that help with Elise's option and which, which do you vote for? voting for my option. Okay. Thank you. And then for me, I'm voting for option one, Denise's option of three and 23 with the buffer zones that are outlined in the story map. And then for kindergartners, it's the other buffer zones, um, and option two and 24. That's why I agree is that I feel like it's the, the best recommendation to allow for a thoughtful transition period um, and then to get the division the districts in a space where we can move forward 
um, until we get to a space where um, a long-term facilities plan could be implemented, you know, five, six plus years down the road. So with that being said, um, it looks like that's what the option that we're gonna go do. Um, what do we need to pull together for content that does not exist today that the school committee should have in their presentation? I think we should pull data from the story map and put it into um, a formalized recommendation. I think we should also talk about some of the conversations we've had and the impacts. And I would wanna be really clear on um, just starting with very clearly the, the clear cut option two map and how that looks, but then also the designated buffer zone areas to be really clear on those so that it's not confusing in any way for any member. Um, we can also probably migrate, leave the story map as is, but we should probably migrate some of this data that applies to the recommendation so that it's much clearer to sift through and be clear on what they would be voting for and honestly uh, providing feedback on too is still a um, final vote that you would need to, you know, you would need to get. So um, also outlining what, um, what a master plan would entail and kind of the steps of that and the timeline and I would hearken back to some of the reports. We will also um, capture what was shared with us. The other piece is the McKibben um, study, Miriam. We reached out to Jerry McKibben to try to get more information about updating the projections um, to have that for our future like master facilities that looks out longer um, to in incorporate that. So. He's put together um, some information. We will um, work on that. I think we can get get you more information as soon as we have it, but um, certainly that was another area we were trying to look at to really hone in on those numbers. Um, we also received some internal maps of each of the buildings to look at how KBA, um, and th these were presented at one point, I think, um, in one of the presentations, but ultimately we have some more data and some more information that we can share um, related to this. Um, and if you guys have anything that you want to email me directly on, not a group email, but just an individual email to me, um, I'm happy to take that information and try to incorporate that into the, to the recommendations. Yeah. Um, and one thing I think we just need to do as well, um, a survey, two surveys actually, one to the D, former DT area families, just to see who would move early versus later. Um, but then also one to incoming kindergarten families to see where where they would decide to go. At least for the, the ones that have registered to date so far. Can I clarify incoming kindergarten families in the buffer zones? So in the, yeah, correct, yes, thank you. In the buffer zones. Oh. Or, sorry, oh. in, in the expanded buffer zones let me just clarify that because that would be all of the the, the groups outlined in your email on march 20th yes that one correct
Anything else, folks? All right, and just want to clarify um, from a date perspective, we have to have the packet ready for, I thought it was April 13th. Does that sound about right? This is prior to spring break. 14? Well, it, it, generally it would go out on the 21st for the meeting on the 21st. No matter who is actually who else. Okay. So it would go out on the 21st for the meeting. But, yeah, so that's, that's April break. Correct. So I thought we had said before we try to get the packet out, or at least the presentation content for redistricting out in advance. So I thought we had said the 13th or maybe the 14th. We I don't recall that, but we can certainly, we can work to, to, to meet one of those deadlines. I just would, I was thinking of it would be prior to the packet, packet meeting. Correct. Yeah. If it needed to be a little sooner, we could, we could shoot to, to backwards play from there. Yeah, because I would think a couple things we need to do is we, we need to get the packet out there. I would love the school committee to have more than ample time to review it. But then also we as a space needs have to, should be meeting to review it before them as well. So in theory, I would say like that week, it would be ready for the space needs committee to review, uh, have enough time to modify and then go from there so like i'm thinking like the 10th uh, the 11th or the 12th it's, it's... all right we can we get that um and then i guess from a from a calendar perspective do we need to meet um to review it or would we review it individually, provide feedback individually, and then those, that feedback would be incorporated into the updates that are needed? I defer to you all on how you feel comfortable to do that. Uh, we could also get it to you and you could decide whether you want to have a meeting to discuss further or we, whatever you want. Did you say you wanted it by the 12th of the 14th, I just wanted to be clear. I would say it would be ready for the school committee by the 14th, the, the latest. But for the space needs, we'd need to see it before then. So okay. 11th, 12th, just so there's enough time to make any modifications. Yeah, I don't think we need to meet to review drafted a drafted presentation by the district. I think we can do that offline through email because we're not, you know, we wouldn't be deliberating. Like we could just, if I had a question, I could ask Lucas, you know, and CC you, Al, or, you know, make as long as we're not deliberating okay. through email. Fair enough. Because it's really just the content and like what's being presented. Mm -hmm. 
how it looks and how it flows and those types of things. It's not like we're going to, we can't change the vote through email. Okay, fair enough. I put in uh, the 12th to get it to you all. Mm -hmm. April 12th. And then the 14th, obviously, gives gives you a little time to. And if we have drafts rolling, I'm, I mean, you you are all familiar with the details. There's no surprise. So I would just, I, we, I could in essence see us building out a draft that we're continuing to update. And maybe that's a way to, you know what I mean, to get it a little sooner, mm -hmm. to get the bones down. Just know that it's iterative. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. I like that approach. All right. Um, anything else, folks? All right. So that being said, then it's seven twenty-two. I entertain a motion to adjourn. Hello. You have a second. Second. All right. Um, <laughs> Thank you, folks, uh, and I appreciate your time, and I will see you all uh, tomorrow. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements, and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.